so welcome to Group Thinkers. I'm your host, Justin McCord, and with me, as always, is Ronnie Richard. And uh, Ronnie, today's episode is uh, is a unique one, and uh, and it's unique because we uh, we get to intersect nonprofit digital marketing and reality TV, and that's that's rare, right? It's uh, it's, it's so. an interesting thing. Yeah. So so tell us a little bit about Dana Snyder, who is our guest today. So Dana, she's the founder of Positive Equation, and she hosts a podcast called Missions to Movements. Um, she's had a, a pretty interesting career. We'll talk about it uh, more on, on the episode here. But she kind of started in the nonprofit space, and and uh, she kind of had this this dream she talks about. She always wanted to work on like big sports campaigns in New York City. So she kind of jumped at the chance to do that, moved to New York, started working with some big brands and stuff. And then uh, she, again, you'll, you'll see this theme of, of she, she calls it her career is kind of a playground where she jumps from one thing to the next, but they're, they're all kind of related. So she, then she started her own uh, company, positive equation and uh, just sort of took a chance there. And then she soon after finds herself in LA. She through some connections, uh, becomes a digital producer on American Idol. And we kind of talk about that some, um, working in the TV space. Um, and then she's still, you know, to this day working with Positive Equation. Uh, she's she's moved more into a consulting and educational role uh, in that space. But I just, I, I found it super interesting. She just, she comes across, she's so like hungry to learn new things and she's willing to teach herself new things and and just take big chances on things where, you know, it's putting herself out there. Um, super interesting. Yeah, that uh, that idea of uh, willing to jump, that's uh, there's value in that. The the other thing, Ronnie, that, that stood out to me about our conversation and people will will hear this and is that uh, is that Dana has this really unique perspective on the value of telling your own story Definitely. and the importance of it. And, uh, and so, you know, her story is unique and, uh, and it ties together all of her expertise in terms of how she is coaching and working with nonprofits and helping them in particular grow their social presence and grow their monthly giving presence. Uh, but it's through this lens of your own experiences and being able to tie together how your experiences influence your perspective that is incredibly valuable and creates this air of authenticity that is refreshing and enigmatic. And I think that that's a way that we could describe uh, Dana Snyder. So uh, with, without any further delays, here's Dana Snyder. Uh, of a positive equation on group thinkers. Okay, so um, Dana, I uh, we just we just jump right in. We don't. Perfect. There's no there's no need to like walk into the pool. I think it's better to cannonball. Let's do it. Um, Big waves. How how does your work with nonprofits compare to your work? with American Idol. 
That's where I want to start. <laughs> oh my gosh. Like, what are the first, first time I've ever been asked that question? Justin, Just I like right it. Right out of the gate. <laughs> oh my gosh. Okay. Well, context. <laughs> my role in American Idol as a digital producer was working with the talent on creating. And when I say talent, that is Katy Perry, Luke Bryan, Lionel Richie, Ryan Seacrest, Bobby Bones at the time. And so I was creating content from the show for them to be posting on their social channels to therefore amplify and raise awareness, obviously, of the show. So (laughs) very different, I would say. I had never done broadcast television work. And I'll tell you, like, what's the same and what's different. Um, There are live events for nonprofits and American Idol has live shows. So Mm -hmm. you are in the moment, right? Capturing live, exciting content. This happens at galas. This happens at runs. This happens, whatever. Right? And you're trying to find and pull the stories that you think your audience is going to relate to. So that's the same. Um, the show also has the whole beginning aspect when they're doing the auditions is all pre-taped and nonprofits mm-hmm. have tons of pre-baked content that they, th- sure. they need to keep things rolling and going when you don't have live events. So you're thinking about, okay, what can I capture now that I can release later? Um, The difference, obviously, is you're not broadcasting on national television on a weekly basis for billions of views on your content weekly. (laughs) And so that's that's a unique pressure. Yeah, it's that's yeah. It's not that there's, yes, there's less pressure, but it's not the the focus isn't on the, the less or more pressure. It's the different pressure. Yes. And another, I mean, I guess social media in the digital team, our big goal, right, is we want to be trending on Twitter. We want to be having crazy amounts of views on our content to get people to watch the show on for nonprofits, you still want a crazy amount of views on your content to get people back to your website. So it's just a different mm-hmm. like medium that you're trying to direct people to. Yeah. Right. So yeah. Different entity, but similarities. If, yeah. Well, and then, you know, you've got the, um, the wide range of characters, which is probably also similarity, right. Of, of course, of people that you work with on both sides. So, um, I, I do want you to to back up and give a little context as to your your time and your space at American Idol. Um, and so would love for you to just kind of hit the high points of, you know, from graduating uh, from UCF to getting to, to that. And uh, and with that, like, w- honestly, Dana, what I love about your path is um, you appear to be somewhat of a Swiss army knife. Uh, and so, you know, like multifunctional tool and, oh, we need a corkscrew, huh? Dana's got a corkscrew, you know, or nail file or or scissors or whatever. So, but like, I, so I want to understand that path to get there, but I'm also just like super curious, um, when, when you look at someone's journey, something like American Idol stands out. And was that a dream you chased was that a um an opportunity that fell into your lap like just kind of shape your path up until that point and how now you think back on that experience 
Yeah. And I wonder if listeners can relate to this where I think like my career journey is like a playground. I've hopped from like the slide, which is totally different from like the monkey bars, like all over the place. And, but it's all somehow made some sense in a flow. Mm-hmm. Um, so to answer your question about like high points, I graduated, like you said, from UCF in 2010. And I think what was interesting about that time and what leads to the trajectory of my career is it's also when social was really getting its footing. Mm-hmm. Um, so I, I don't know if you remember this, but even when I was in college, I used fax machines at my internships and social media was just getting started with businesses. Like the Facebook was there, right? And we were creating mm-hmm. all of our photo albums and we were writing text in the feed and connecting with people, but we weren't using social anywhere to what it was like today. So I grew up as social was growing up and that plays into my career and how I just learned it naturally as it happened, which kind of leads to your Swiss army knife is things were thrown at us like, Oh, Snapchat exists. Hey, when I was working at digital agency, y'all figure it out. Should we be doing this to our clients? Should we not? So literally things were progressing as I was in the career, um, career force, right. Workforce. Mm -hmm. And, um, so my first job was actually at a nonprofit in Sarasota, Florida, team of four, very small. So I understand a lot about what smaller organizations go through and in terms of being one of many. And I did that for a couple of years. And actually my dream was to move to New York City. And I wanted to work on like Super Bowl ad campaigns. That was my dream to work in the sports world, big campaigns, big PR. And I did end up, my first job in New York was working for a a company that built websites and mobile apps for mostly sports and entertainment companies. So NASCAR, NBA, um, oh my gosh, Fox Sports, and randomly on the entertainment side, American Idol. So I grew up watching American Idol at home. We were working on like a game, like a gamification microsite for them at this company. So that's how I got the initial contact there. Hmm. Then I ended up working for a PR firm. Then in 2017, I left and decided to start my own business. I was in New York City. And I, my my roommates and I, they were going off and doing things. So we were going to end up having to get our own places. And I was like, I don't know if starting my own business and living in New York City is a smart financial decision. So move to Los Angeles, Dana. (laughs) (laughs) Also really smart choice. Um, But I'd never lived on the West Coast. And I very, very, very graciously had friends that took me in Mm. to get me started. And I was living in their house with them and just helping them out with utilities and stuff to get my start. Um, And when I got there, I was doing positive equation, which is still my business now for like a year and a half. Mm -hmm. And randomly, when I got to LA, I just kept in contact with the idol crew. Like when I moved there, I was like, hey, this is what I'm doing. Yada, yada, meet for coffee. And they knew I worked in digital. And again, just over the transom, he was like, Hey, I think you should really connect with this girl, Carly. She was on American Idol. And they're like, Hey, we're looking for a digital producer. Would you be interested? And I was like, uh, I had done some entertainment work in in the PR world, but I had never worked on Mm. a television show before. Right. So when I'm talking about you, you literally just like dive right in and figure it out. I took, I knew like, use data and strategy and create reports and like plan for campaigns, which is so different than agency life. Yeah. Yeah. So different. Mm. I mean, the only thing they care about, right. You care about Nielsen ratings. 
I don't right. even know how much they care about Nielsen ratings anymore with how things have changed with all like Hulu and stuff. But um, right. yeah, so no, it was the totally unexpected curveball, awesome experience. Um, and I did that for a season and then I just went back to, it It was a really fun opportunity that just kind of fell into my lap, but I was not trying to work in the entertainment sector and I've been doing positive equation work ever since. I'm curious, did you, did you pick up some things and learn some things like you, you mentioned it's a very different way of going about, you know, marketing and digital content. Were there some things you picked up there that you've now incorporated into what you do today? For sure. And I think there's also things that I took from having an agency experience that were very different. So for example, Mm. with the talent, they had never, I'm always used to providing reports for clients. Like they want to see what you've done and like proof of things. And so every week after the show, I would do for each of the talent, I put together social reports and I was able to pull all the stats for them where they were ranking as far as they have this available. What celebrities are the most popular on TV every week. And that created like a real, they, Katie, Luke and Lionel get along amazingly. So it's really funny to be like, Hey, Katie was first. Oh, actually, Hey, Luke is first this week. To, right. Or however that works. Or I don't know, whoever is on TV as a celebrity is beating you guys right now. Like so you, sh- you should post more or this is what worked best. So I took that from the agency world and they really appreciated that of getting those weekly reports. Um, things I've taken from the show. Well, what was interesting is we did a pre-live show on, I think we streamed it on Facebook and YouTube at the time. Right before the show would happen, we would go live backstage with the contestants. And sometimes talent would join, um, usually Ryan or Bobby or somebody. And we had a host from Radio Disney. And so I worked on the show in 2019 and then COVID happened, right? So I naturally had been running live virtual event every week for the live show of Idol. So when COVID happened, nowhere had I ever publicly said I could do live shows. That was not part of like my positive equation services that I'd ever thought about offering. But then once COVID happened, I was like, well, I know how to produce a live show. So I had a blog that I put out about, I started doing a bunch of research about platforms put that up. That was ranking number one on Google. Got a ton of traffic for that. And people were reaching out saying, Hey, would you produce our event? I was like, I guess so. (laughs) Like, yeah, I could do that. I can, I can put together a run a show and know how to switch camera screens and put in effects and on graphics and all that stuff. And so that created a whole different revenue stream that I was not expecting, but popped up perfectly just due to what nonprofits needed at the time. Yeah. That's, it's so interesting. I mean, I love the the playground um, analogy of it, but it's also just like the finding something on the playground and then making it work in the context of the the play totally. universe that you're in in the moment, right? Like, yeah, those things do they totally build on each other. When you okay, so when you decided to leave um, the firm footing of PR and agency space mm-hmm. and do your own thing, um. That takes a that takes a significant amount of courage, uh, and so I'm curious, like, how did you plan? How like how did you plan that decision? And who in particular 
who were the leaders or people of influence that shaped how you wanted to approach a positive equation? Oh my gosh. If I'm being totally honest, it was petrifying. I'll never forget our offices were on like 28th and 5th and I was, I had no clients. I had, Mm -hmm. I had like nothing to like go off of. I was like, I just feel like this is the time to do this. I was pacing Mm -hmm. going up to my boss who I loved to tell her that I was quitting to start my own business. And she goes, Oh, who are you going to be? Who are your clients? I was like, I have none. (laughs) Mm. Um, and look, I, I planned, but I kind of didn't. I mean, I think I had like 10 K saved, but I also had like 20 grand of New York city debt at the time. Let's be real. Um, and I just figured I'm going to do launch parties in the cities where I know the most people, which ended up being Los Angeles um, Orlando, cause I went back to UCF route roots and Sarasota where I'm from. And of course like New York people. And I did these launch parties and I had a little like sizzle video about all the things that I had done, what my mission was going to be in my company and networked in those moments to see who could like strum up business. And sure enough, I did get clients from those first events and I paid for food and I paid for alcohol. And like that 10 grand went real fast when you do stuff yeah, like that, especially in Los yeah. Angeles. Yeah. I don't know what I was thinking. And the other cities I asked for friends and favors in Los Angeles, I don't remember what the restaurant was called, but it was right next to CAA. Like it was this bougie. I don't know why I did that. But anyways, that one was expensive. Um, but super fun to get people together and mm. who influenced it. Honestly, I needed some encouragement as I was going to mm. go up the elevator to quit. And I remember specifically two people. One was a client at the time um, when I was at the agency and it was the CMO of the weather channel. And we had gotten really close in like a client relationship. And I, and I just told her what I was thinking. I said, do you think I could do it? Like, do you think people would hire me? And she's like, absolutely. And so she was really helpful. And then I also called one of my college professors who was like my ad PR And I told him what I was thinking and he was in Orlando and he said the same thing. He's like, just do it, launch it. He's like, honestly, what's the worst can happen? You go back and get a full-time job. And that was it. And I remember I got, I got paid cash the first job for like 500 bucks. (laughs) I was like, yeah, (laughs) I made it. Um, It was wild, but, and obviously it grew from there, but that was kind of like the start. You just kind of have to say, what's the worst that can happen, right? Yeah. Yeah. How did, how did nonprofits, how did nonprofits come into that? I mean, obviously you started your, your career there, right? Um, but then when you, when you launched, were you intending to, to work as much with nonprofits as you do now, or has there been some sort of pull into that space? Yeah, I was always going to be for nonprofits. When I was at the PR firm I was at was DKC. And while I was there, I wanted to give back. And I feel like that time was really interesting. It's before, I don't know if you remember Larry Fink, um, but he released an article all about purpose. And before that happened, I feel like Tom's was your main like one for one. So there weren't nearly as much of a gray line distinction of for-profit businesses that give back as there Mm -hmm. are now. So back then I was like, God, I'm just tired of always like 
working with companies trying to sell the next thing without like meaning or purpose behind it. So I really want to help the nonprofit. So at DKC, I helped launch DKC Cares, where we worked pro bono with, I think it was like three nonprofits at a time. Um, and I realized all I wanted to do was work on those projects. Hmm. It obviously doesn't work for the bottom line of a company. <laughs> and so I decided I, I'll just do it on my own and I'll help do social media and digital marketing for those companies. So it was always nonprofits and purpose-driven organizations. And now it's been, after that first year and a half when I got back from doing Idol, I went straight in for nonprofit only. I'm curious, you um, coming from the agency world, you know, you worked with a lot of larger brands and, and such. When you started working with nonprofits, was it one thing we've noticed is there's a pretty big gap between what for-profit companies are doing and where nonprofits are in technology and you know digital marketing and all these things. Did you see that large gap? And was that sort of one of your driving forces was to kind of close it or or how did you how did you 100%. approach that? Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, I think the number one biggest, and I still preach this every day, is for-profit companies, 99% they have a social media team, not just one person. They now have teams. Um, on the nonprofit side, you struggle to find organizations who have just a social media manager, um, let alone a team that can do data and graphics and creative and et cetera. So the staff part alone is a huge discrepancy between the two. And then, yeah, I mean, from website to online social tools, to email marketing, such a vast difference. And a lot of that has to do with right marketing budgets and where those mm -hmm. dollars are spent. Um, but yeah, and so I figured, okay, how can I help? I understand a website is your storefront as a nonprofit. A lot of times it's the first impression that somebody gets of you and how they usually get there is through social posts. And so how can we help build both of those strategies? Like A, how can we elevate what you're doing on social? That's gonna make people trust you, like you, build that story, then move them and make sure when they get to that website, it's in a place where it's ready to receive somebody. It's mm. it's beautifully designed. It tells the right story. The copy is correct. The online donation form is frictionless. It's not going to take ten minutes to fill out a form. So it's that whole it's that whole journey that I kind of talk about because it's not just you can have the best social media ads on Facebook, but then if they get to your website and they can't find the donate button, then that's a problem. Mm -hmm. Yeah, Did it's, you counter it's... challenges of like presenting those ideas and getting buy-in. I imagine it was a little bit different depending on who you were working with, um, you know, different leaders and different perspectives. Was, was some of that a challenge? I would say, I mean, on the agency side, you're usually working with an RFP, right? So somebody's requesting your work, you're putting together a pitch, you're going out and you're pitching it and you're seeing if you get selected. So a lot of my time, I was a senior digital strategist there. So I was in a lot of those new business meetings. So I was an idea generator like all the mm -hmm. time. It was going in, I'm sure you guys can relate, like you're creating ideas, you're presenting to a client, seeing if you're going to get selected and then, and then selling that idea essentially. Um, mm -hmm. And then oftentimes projects would move quickly because they're like ready to go. They've allocated the time and the budget to do it. The nonprofit side, I think things move much slower. Um, as far as, I mean, marketing and pushing new products all together. So yeah, for sure. And it, it kind of speaks to the, uh, the, the resource gap, 
right? Both in terms of just, you know, as, as we've talked about budget, but also the human resource to even think about and make those yeah. decisions at times, right? And and uh, I assume that that's somewhat where you find some of your work now is, I mean, you're a, um, you're, you are an extension of the nonprofits team. And well, what uh, I've done differently actually in the past, so I started positive inclusion started like a social media agency because that's what I knew. So I right. worked with nonprofits on a retainer basis, but then I quickly realized I'm only one person and I was starting to grow with a team and hiring is one of the hardest things to do in the world. And I was doing mostly contractors. So if they got a full-time job, all of a sudden like they were gone. So it was very hard to maintain that just cycle. And so I decided when I came back from Idle that I was going to be more of a consultant and do online courses and to do the more one-to-many approach. So now I do a lot of teaching through courses, through webinars, through workshops, through my podcast. And then I have a mastermind where I really like sunk my teeth in is courses on social media ads. So teaching people how to get visibility, how to generate leads, how to generate donations through social ads and building and scaling monthly giving programs through a mastermind that I launched twice a year. So more so one-to-many with a couple opportunities to work with me one-on-one. And those mastermind courses uh, have gained a lot of traction. Like they've gotten a lot of attention in terms of um, their effectiveness and and your ability to to connect. And as you said, remove that friction from people both on the social media side and the monthly giving side. Those are two areas that continue to move forward, like at a very frenetic pace. So how do you stay ahead of um, the, ahead of the, the game with what's happening on those spaces to influence and, and impact, um, your courses? Yeah, of course. Um, I mean, when it comes to monthly giving, I am researching all the time on new reports that are coming out. I'm talking to organizations, something that's in the works, which is pretty exciting as I'm hoping to launch a book and I all around monthly giving and kind of taking people, which is the premise of my podcast missions to move movements is taking mm-hmm. people behind marketing strategies and case studies and exploring like the how behind this brilliant thing we saw like on Instagram. Right. And doing the same thing with the book. It's like, let's go behind the scenes of the spring charity waters. Monthly giving. But like, how did you mm-hmm. build that before it became this 66,000 person a month program? Right. So I'm interviewing 15 different orgs for that. So that teaches me a lot. Naturally, I mean, I listen to podcasts on social media and digital, but also I selfishly, and probably same for you guys, you get to think about the guests that you bring onto your show and the questions you want to ask them. And I'm always learning from the guests Mm -hmm. that I bring on and creating questions that I find really interesting and want to know, but I hope my listeners also want to know. So twofold, I'd say podcast, big time. I also like to attend conferences when I can. That's kind of cutting edge in the digital space, which I haven't done in a while. Um, and attending nonprofit ones too. And, and which, by the way, the listener, our listeners need to know that you haven't done that in a while, mostly because you've got an amazing new little one. Yeah. <laughs> like, it's not like you're like, ah, I'm just going to wait. No, no. Like you've, <laughs> you've had the space. You've been on. New job for title. A bit. Mom. New, yeah. Mom. Yeah. So. Um, yes. And, yes. And if you uh, if you follow Dana, flying is a little bit more difficult these days. 
you'll see, but you'll get to see at least a picture. We've seen a couple of pictures of Kennedy on your LinkedIn presence. And so, yeah, she's know, doing great. That sort of thing. Yeah. Yeah. No, that's, it's interesting that you say that because you're right. It is, um, there is something to the, the idea that you're going to learn from the company you keep. Right. And so if you surround yourself by people who are doing things that ex- that are accelerating monthly giving or that are accelerating uh, social ads or that are accelerating any aspect of marketing. And, and that's such a great space, right? point, like from a professional development standpoint in 2021, I invested in a mastermind program myself and it was not in the nonprofit. I was the only person that had nonprofit business. and it was incredible to learn from these other female entrepreneurs. Um, it was hosted by Julie Solomon, who I listened to her podcast forever. And so we had in-person meetings in Nashville. We got together as a group multiple times. It was like 12 of us. It was very intensive um, and incredible. And five of us from that group continued to have monthly calls with each other. So literally to your point, and there in the group, there was a 26-year-old with a like multi-million dollar business. And I was like, oh my gosh, you fascinate me. And so that's, you literally surround yourself with people who are smarter than you to continue learning. And that was 100% worth the investment of that program and now continuing those relationships. Yeah. What a great group that, uh, to be able to have, you know, that regular connection with the, um, okay. So in your role as a coach and as a teacher, um, what characteristics do you seek to model so that you can be effective in coaching and teaching? Like, what are some of the things that you have taken from influences in your own life that you're putting into the way that you approach these, um, one to many engagements? Yeah, I think a little bit of empathy has to come with it. Like understanding what's the situation that somebody's coming to you? What's their experience that they're coming to you with? And then helping to guide, but also letting them have like, I guess the best way to say is like prompting the question so that they can come up with their own answer. Like, I don't want to always give the answer necessarily to things. I want to let them think through what it should be for them and come up with that. Um, when it comes to teaching ads, that's much more of a tactical thing, obviously, of showing a step-by-step teaching example. So characteristic there is I try and be extremely like step-by-step oriented and explain things in a very simple, easy manner. I have paid for way too many things that are like 30 lessons long and all of them are an hour. And I'm like, never, I'm not going to get through that. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) Not going to happen. So I try and do things concise, simple, clear, be understanding. Um, honestly, the way I would hope to be treated is how I hope I'm portrayed to people and fun. Like I am, I bring my like full self to things. Like you're never going to get, I don't know, not Dana. <laughs> like if, if I launch a session, I'm like, I'm sorry, my child's screaming. Like, I'm going to tell you, I'm not going to be here. Yeah. all but death and death. Yeah. Oh, can they hear that? That's right. nerve wracking. I'm going to fake, you know what I mean? Like. I think just showing up and being really yourself, people appreciate. I was, uh, you know, I was, I was having this conversation this weekend with um, someone from um, the small group that my wife and I are in. And uh, 
she works for a company that was uh, quick to get back in office. They don't have a, a virtual presence. We're a um, you know a, a virtual company. We we love having the moments where we're in person, and those do still happen. Uh, but primarily, we're you know decentralized and, and remote, and so we're navigating those aspects of you know building culture and retaining culture and and those sorts of things. And uh, and she was asking, she's like, well, what does that look like when you know your your kids, especially for the summer? What does that look like in terms of interruptions and those sorts of things? And I said, like, you you quickly have to get past that that yeah. that veil has to come down and you, you have to be yourself or else people can feel it. Right. And that doesn't feel so good. To It's also really nice when like kids that happened literally to me on a podcast I was recording earlier today. One of the, one of the interviewees that I had on his little girl walked over close to the mic. And goes, What's for lunch today? <laughs> and he like, quickly oh, muted it, and I was like, it's okay. I was like, I totally get it. And that's adorable. And go ahead and tell her what's for lunch. <laughs> That, see, that is adorable. As long as it's, as long as it's adorable. Um, you know, I was telling Ronnie earlier. I was going to say your note. <laughs> yeah. I, I mean, look, I've got, I've got a uh, teenager and preteen. And, uh, and so. Oh yeah. That might be a little week, bit different. Yeah. Yeah. Cause the, the teenager comes with a gaggle of teenage friends. And so <laughs> a bunch of, uh, freshman boys and I'm on a call and, my son comes downstairs and he grabs a post-it note and a Sharpie and he scribbles something. And then he stands back and he holds it up and it says three words, um, two of which were not spelled correctly, but that's neither here nor there. <laughs> but it says, the note says broke couch accident. <laughs> <laughs> and, and I, I did my best to kind of like bite a lip and. He had you know, to tell not, you right then. He had to tell me right moment. then, right then, right. Right then. Uh, and, and I wish, I wish I would have been videoing or recording that call because I wonder if the color of my face changed. Like that's the part that I really wonder about of like, did I honestly, did I, um, was I able to not show coming out? (laughs) Yeah. The the cartoon (laughs) steam. So funny. That's awesome. So, so yeah, being adorable and interrupting mom or dad's call. Awesome. Uh, being, you know, Lord of the flies and interrupting mom or dad's call. Different. It's different. just different. Different. Yeah. Yeah. So, so then, you know, really it, as you think about, um, both now and what's next, I mean, Dana, a a book is a big deal. Yeah. You know what I, you know what I originally thought I was going to do? I thought I was going to write the book during maternity leave, but I don't shh. <laughs> I actually thought that was possible. Funny joke, Dana. <laughs> yeah, well, you get those little three-hour increments of writing because they sleep all every two hours for like two right hours at a time. Yeah. Right, right. No, yeah. that is not how that works. It was a funny joke, but yes, book is a big deal. I'm very excited about it. I'm pretty sure I'm going to self-publish. I've actually bought a course um, awesome. on how to help do that and structure that, and I'm actually curious. I'm planning to use AI to help me get through some of it. Um, So yeah, it'll be fun. I've given myself a deadline of getting all of these interviews done by fall with the hope of launching it in the new year. 
to be able to use that for workshops and speaking gigs and all that fun stuff. So, and then super book number two, which will be much more personal is I do want to tell my career story because there are hilarious stories from my New York days to LA experiences of just like being telling your story is essentially the presence, the pre mm. like of the book. Yeah. Um, but yeah, so I'm excited. Okay. Never done it before. All right. Figuring yeah. it out. Another another thing to add to my repertoire of figuring stuff out. <laughs> Jump into the next this. thing on the playground. That's right. That's it. Just another, like I said, Swiss Army knife. Let's what what do we what do we see when we pull this? One? Oh, it's a can opener. There's. That's right. That's, exactly. That's super cool. Um, Dana, last thing uh, for folks that want to learn more about the mastermind courses, um, they want to connect with you. Uh, they want to have you come speak at a retreat or uh, do something virtually. How can they best connect with you? Absolutely. So I love connecting with people on LinkedIn. So you can just search for me, Dana Snyder. I'd like to share if, if that's, if thought leadership pieces are your jam and I do share occasional things on Kennedy, but most of the time it's like educational based on the LinkedIn. Yeah. You can head there. Um, if you like more of the written word, if you're more of shoot me that short 30 second, how to video real scenario, I'm on Instagram positive occasion with one E and then more longer form marketing case studies behind the scenes, amazing conversations on my podcast missions to movements. I can, uh, I can testify to the amazing conversations, um, hey. and, and LinkedIn, that's how, that's how you and I connected. That's how we met. And, uh, and something that I do appreciate, I want this, you know, recorded and documented is that you were so quick to ask for feedback and like, and, and not feedback in some sort of, we know what we're doing and, or anything like that, but it was more like a, Hey, what do you think? Like, yeah. what's your perspective on it. And, and I just think that that is a, um, undervalued opportunity that we all have in terms of just, you know, working together and understanding each other and yeah. uh, the value of, of other people's opinions. So thank, thank you, you for that. I, I appreciate that. I think it's been so interesting coming back from maternity leave and so much more challenging than I could have ever expected. I am I've been like a hustler through and through and working currently like two days a week and trying to get it all done. But then also having the pull of wanting to spend this so fleeting quick. I mean, you're talking about preteens, right? I know that goes by so fast. And so trying to spend, be as present as possible in this moment, but also making sure the business thrives. Like it's such a crazy hard bound. So mm -hmm. I am reaching out to so many people right now and the truly having powerful relationships on social, right? We've never met in person before, but it's like people just, once you put it out there and you're vulnerable and you're authentic, like want to help each other. And yeah. so I've had conversations yeah. on LinkedIn about like, what are you doing for childcare? Like, what did you do after this period and sharing stories? And it's so, so, so helpful. So don't be afraid, like for anybody listening, like put your story out there. If you can be like, really, really authentically you. I think people appreciate it. And so, yeah, I always want feedback. Holler. <laughs> Let me know. <laughs> and you should. You should enjoy every moment of this special space that you have uh, with a little one and at each stage. And, yeah. you know, even with, you know, a couch that's no longer fully functional, <laughs> it's still a joy. And so, right. you know, 
don't ever forget about that part of it. So Daniel Snyder, uh, you're absolutely delightful and we enjoyed um, chatting with you and, and can't wait to see the books, plural, um, unfold and, and the continued growth and success that you're having. Appreciate you both. Thank you so much for having me. Group Thinkers is a production of RKD Group. For more information, including how you can partner with RKD to accelerate growth for your fundraising and nonprofit marketing needs, visit rkdgroup.com.